Welcome to Where the Lotus Grows, Getting Dirty and Growing Strong with Kimberly Searle and Tanya Drew. As integrative sustainable movement educators and health advocates, our goal is to provide you with evidence-based information gathered from research, experts in the field, and our personal and professional experience to help you advocate for your own health and wellness. Our mission is to collaboratively navigate the thick, muddy waters of life to empower, accept, and cultivate our most authentic selves. Welcome. Today's show topic covering the Pranamaya Kosha is Just Breathe, Prana, Pranayama, and Power. Prana has come to mean not only life, but the capacity for consciousness and most especially self-consciousness, which is at the heart of spiritual awareness. It's a quote by our friend Doug Keller. Uh, Basically, we are looking at the pranamaya kosha, specifically the breath, even though the energetic kosha encompasses a few more things than that. Uh, We're going to tackle the breath today. So breath feeding your body, your mind, and your soul. Yeah, I like that quote from uh, Doug Keller. Makes me also think of this quote from uh, Rumney. There's a path for me to you I'm constantly looking for. So I try to keep clean and still as water does with the moon. Yeah. That's nice. So as we talk about breath today, specifically pranayama, I think it's important that we give our listeners a little sense of the respiratory system and the anatomy of the respiratory system. You and I were talking before we got started. Uh, We have friends that could do this better, uh, but we're taking this as we go. Part of the fun of this podcast is uh, growing and doing in the moment. So little tiny mistakes or brushing over references that might be important. I'm sure we'll catch them, but uh, know that we we are just being authentically ourselves in the moment as we go through. We're not anatomical experts. So starting out, obviously, when we think about breath, we think about coming in through the nose and the mouth um, into the frontal sinuses of the oral cavity. That breath then moves down the esophagus, fills up into the lungs. Uh, The diaphragm then, what would you say, that compresses as you inhale. And then uh, as you exhale, the diaphragm presses up pressing the air out of the lungs and back up through the esophagus and out the sinus cavity. Fair enough? Yeah, yeah. I like how you mentioned the three diaphragms, right? And so our our main diaphragm does create an abdominal compression that pushes down the pelvic floor. And then as we're exhaling, everything lifts back up. Um, and, and I was watching um, the anatomy question on YouTube And they were interviewing a couple pelvic uh, floor specialists. And I like what they had said. One of the uh, PT uh, pelvic floor specialists had said, you know, when we inhale, you'll feel a little bulge in your pelvic floor. And then when you exhale, that bulge goes away. And, And she was even saying that you could stand with a mirror, right? And you could see that subtle change in your pelvic floor. Right. 
I, I think that, yes, the pelvic floor is something that I don't think gets um, brought up when we talk about the diaphragm because the respiratory diaphragm, I think, is what we think of more mm-hmm. when we breathe. But that is true. It almost creates like a clamshell effect with the respiratory diaphragm. So they come together and then they release. Um, speaking of just the anatomy of the respiratory system and the uh, respiratory diaphragm, um. Let's talk about the three parts of the breath. So as it comes in, you've got your the lobes of your lungs. Um, as it comes in, you inhale, you've got your upper chest lifts, your ribcage expands, and your belly fills as your lungs fill and the diaphragm presses, the respiratory diaphragm presses down. And then when you exhale, the respiratory diaphragm presses up into the lungs, so it releases the pressure in the belly that fills, the rib cage contracts, and the clavicles or upper chest fall. Now, the three-part breath is really an expansion of our natural breath. And what we're doing is bringing active awareness into those three distinct sections that you had just mentioned, the diaphragm, mid-chest, and top chest. And um, each of these sections are directly involved in the act of breathing and has a distinct set of muscles, you know, that work with them. Correct. So we're talking about today specifically using um, the techniques of yoga and pranayama, specifically in yoga, to work with the respiratory system. Um, Just for a moment, touching on respiratory pathophysiology, two of the big things uh, the yoga can be used for are asthma and COPD. So um, COPD being, what is it, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder. So I think, has it just replaced the diagnosis of emphysema or does it kind of go hand in hand with? I'm not sure. I can, we'll check on that and that'll be in the notes. Uh, But what I wanted to say is a random control trials on the above conditions using yoga and pranayama postures, meditation suggests that a combination of practices and medication are clinically significant over medication alone. It enhancing breathing efficiency, reducing sympathetic activity while strengthening the parasympathetic, uh, while strengthening parasympathetic activity, which is, you know, stress releasing, lip relieving response, improving the barrel reflex sensitivity, it has a similar effect to beta blockers, ACE inhibitors, or vagal nerve stimulators, which I'm sure we'll talk about vagal tone in uh, future episodes, controlling pressure, inflammation, and endothelial dysfunction. So what your breath says about you, <laughs> we'll move into that in a moment. My point here is pranayama and breath work play a role not only in pathophysiology, but also in a healthy respiratory system. Yeah, I mean, the the energy body is the flow of prana, right? Our chakras, our nadis, uh, our prana values. And so when those are imbalanced, these energies have blockages in them, especially in the chakras. Um, we might also see a lack of, of breath awareness. And when they are in balance, we have breath awareness. Um, the prana can flow up and down the nadis. Um, we may feel a greater connection to nature um, and other sources of prana in our, in our being. So then what... Um 
does your breath say about you as far as how you breathe? So in yoga therapy, breath is an evaluation tool. Um, so you're talking about the subtle energies of the body and being able to kind of read those through the breath. Um, so let's start by talking about shallow upper chest breathing, which um, typically uh, presents as anxiety, maybe headache, brain fog, fatigue. Um, any other things that you notice about like shallow upper chest breathing? Well, I think there's a felt sense um, that you may feel in breathing and what's known as the three realms, right? We feel it in the, the pelvis, which is below the navel. Even though the breath doesn't go all the way into the pelvis when we breathe, we can feel like this response in our hips and pelvis that we had talked about before. Um, we also feel it around our, our third chakra area. And I think it's important to um, talk about how all breath is diaphragmatic breathing, Um and then we get into that chest where you talked about where, you know, the anxiety comes, uh, fatigue comes. Um, and I, I think about it in like a handful of emotions, such as um, when we feel angry, we feel shallow inhalations and strong exhalations. When we're fearing, feeling fearful, it's kind of quick and shallow in our regular, we might even feel this knot of tightness in the belly. Mm -hmm. And then when we have grief, we often come with this kind of spasmatic, sobbing, superficial breath. It's maybe uh, jerky or we're having these long, sighing um, exhalations where we're kind of emptying from the belly. And if we're feeling depressed, that comes with shallowness, but kind of lifeless inhalations. And again, we may be sighing out the the exhale. Um, we might even feel a little bit of um, thickness and fatigue or, or dullness. And when we're impatient, um, it often comes with short, uncoordinated breaths and this feeling of tension in that front of the chest, kind of like our heart wants to leap out ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And um, when we're feeling guilt, you know, we, we feel this restriction of this suffocating breath, um, this heaviness. Um, even when we're bored, right? It comes with this shallow, lifeless breath of little sensations at all. Um, and then if we look at the flip side, you know, we can look at other feel-good emotions like love, compassion, kindness. And um, that tends to come with this deep, comfortable, energizing breath that's almost affirming and enthusiastic feeling through life. You know, the kind of that oxygen high, if you want to call it that. Sure, like a nice, full breath. Or when we're comforted, like I, I think myself included and many of us who don't, um, when we're not, we don't have our yoga therapy hats on and we're not necessarily thinking about breath, you, you don't notice it as often because you're, we're breathing all the time. It never stops. We need it to sustain life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you get those exacerbated sighs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at the same time, when you're comforted and when you're, you know, maybe in a situation where you're really feeling good and you just might notice that you're really breathing full 
and loving. Maybe you go outside and you just feel the sunshine on you and you feel great and you're taking in big gulps of fresh air and you're just breathing fully and all three parts of breath. Well, you know, podcasting is new for us and uh, you you heard many of my impatient uh, breathing as we're preparing, learning the software. And then as we take a, a little mental mindfulness break, right, we can feel the energy change and our breath changing, right? Sure. We, we take a practice of kind of taking a breath before we hit record, like taking a breath, taking a moment and breathing where we're at. Um, additionally, two things that I wanted to touch on that were included in what you were talking about, reverse breathing, which is where kind of the opposite happens. When you breathe in, the belly usually fills. Some people have that, the opposite. And when they breathe in, they're drawing the belly in. And when they breathe out, they relax the belly. Um, and then over breathing, which you kind of mentioned with anger and fear often associated with those two things. Um, hyperventilation is often um, there with the overbreathing. So you're looking at increased sympathetic arousal, increased stress response. Um, this is more likely to happen in women statistically. It creates an imbalance of oxygen and carbon dioxide in the blood and can actually create some serious health-related issues. So I think that even though we do it every day, we do it all day, most of the time, absolutely unconsciously. The point of our discussion today is pranayama and breath more consciously and creating a breath, a conscious breath practice. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to talk about too is is optimal breathing. You know, it's that ideal state in which oxygen and carbon dioxide release um, with this kind of exchange of metabolic um, needs of the body. And these needs are played out on a cellular level regarding uh, the molecular exchange of gases necessary for cell activity in our metabolism and through the blood, um, which is the medium in which they um, this links between the base of exchanges of, you know, air in the lungs and, and cellular respirations achieved. So, um, you know, sometimes I think we'd really take our breath for granted and we forget how it balances that exchange of gas in our body and, and how that exchange of gas um, really changes that, that molecular uh, being. Right. We're, we're literally feeding ourselves mm -hmm. with what we have coming in. And um, so conscious breathing practice uh, leads to a natural stilling or control of the prana that energy in the body. So not only on a cellular level are you feeding your body, but the more time and energy that you can take to conscious breathing and that natural stilling, you're actually gaining control of your prana and thus control of your energy and your mind. So let's talk about a few different forms of pranayama. We've already discussed the natural three-part breath. Um, this is diaphragmatic, kind of everyday breathing that we do all the time. Uh, additionally, yogis often practice a full yogic breath during meditation practice and ujjayi pranayama during a yoga practice. So ujjayi is victorious breath, ocean's breath, 
probably has a couple of other names, um, but that is where you're breathing in deeply through the nose, aspirating at the back of the throat and breathing out through the nose. It kind of regulates body temperature, um, blood pressure and that kind of thing as you're moving through your yoga practice. Additionally, anything else you want to say about Ujjayi or did I cover that? No, I think it's just important to think that the mind-body connection of breath exists on two levels, um, which often come in conflict with each other, right? Our present needs versus our habits, hopes, and fears. And knowing how to use those, well, (laughs) yeah, um, our present needs of of what we need to do for breath. So, for example, I, I see this a lot with Ujjayi breath. Um, you're talking about just this ever so slight um, constriction in the back of the throat. Yes. Right. But sometimes then we, we get into this habit of it's supposed to be this loud, forceful um, something because we want to be, you know, the perfect yogi, or maybe we come in frustrated. And so when we, you know, we're already in a tense um, position. So we really tense the, the throat up. And really when the throat gets too constrictive, you know, we're shutting down that pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, that, that harmonious moving of, of the two di- of the two diaphragms or three diaphragms. But um, so, you know, what is our present need? Our present need was to come to yoga practice, right? To relax, you know, come to our mat. Um, have that sense of stillness, but then, you know, our, our habits, our fears, sure, they don't so, always line up. Right. So the importance of the conscious breath is, is the first word mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> is to be conscious of it. Um, I don't, I don't personally think that I've ever had that, um, sense of competition with my breath, but I've heard it in classes and in practices and seen it and um, seen different examples of that. So I think you're absolutely right. The important part is the consciousness of how and why we're breathing as we are and to regulate it. I think too, like you brought up, you come to practice and you might bring a little something to your mat. I think that's okay. As long as you recognize it and, and kind of course correct while it's happening yeah I think it is because you know even though we come to this practice with this intention to have this this period of growth or this deeper um, sense of where we are in our being at the time um, you know there are still days that we struggle and um, you know sometimes we bring things to them we bring that tension to the mat and try to make it something more than what it is rather than deciding that we're going to take a moment to sit there in stillness and listen. Right. Right. And so sometimes I think that's difficult to navigate. Absolutely. I totally agree. So another breath form is kumbak or retention Mm -hmm. in the breath. Um, And then voloma, which is an interrupted breath. So an inhale with maybe kumbak at the top and the bottom. Um, it's another breath technique that is often used in yoga. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, just a note for many of us, uh, 
It's, it's one of my favorites as well. But for many of us, Kumbach retention can be triggering mm-hmm. um, on the inhale or on the exhale. Sometimes people have a little trouble holding at the top and holding that in or exhaling and holding for a moment completely empty. Yeah, it, I guess that's what I like the most about um, this retention or air interrupted breath is that Um, you know, I have done it at times in my life where I was struggling with something and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling anxiety or panic coming on. And while that's uncomfortable at the same time, it was the mirror that I needed to see to understand that, you know, this stress or this, um, emotion that I was dealing with was maybe bigger than what I was giving it credit for. So it allowed me to an opportunity to do more self-study for myself. So a little self-exploration using a breath technique. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my other favorites, but can't be practiced all of the time, including in my current condition, um, Kabbalah Bhatti is cleansing or polishing breath. Um, For those of you that are not familiar, what's, what's your best description, Kim, of Kabbalah Bhatti? Hmm. I mean, I see where it's, I've, in my, when I've practiced it, I see where it's cleansing um, and it creates quite a bit of heat, you know? Mm-hmm. And so at times I have created, I think, too much heat when I'm, you know, there's, there's two different ways to look at it. Create the heat to burn off anger mm-hmm. and frustration, or it creates too much flame, right, at the time. Uh, and you're almost, you know, inflaming that anger more, Um Right. And but, for our for our listeners that aren't familiar, then it's a short inhale and kind of almost like a forced exhale, like what naturally happens. So you're breathing in short sips of air, which is the shining. Mm-hmm. And the exhale is kind of happening naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Passive. Uh, but, you know, I, I also like the the abdominal strength that it creates. I like yes. this. I enjoy so the physical sensation afterwards. You're really using the the diaphragm and the, the muscles in the abdomen. I, I always like it because in. I have this 360 felt sense um, after I've practiced it, which really reminds me how big and expansive in our body the whole respiratory um, system is. Sure. And they, they call it um, shining breath or polishing breath. I, I think I always feel like kind of a little tingle or a little buzz after practicing it. Um, as if I've been polished a little <laughs> bit on the inside. Um, finally, just to cover, and there, there are many more types of breath and breath practices, um, but one of my other favorite breath practices to use is an alternate nostril breath. And so, um, uh, regularly, so alternate nostril breath is exactly as it sounds. You're breathing in through one nostril and out through the other alternately. Regulating, um, the nervous system, uh, potentially regulating the hemispheres of the brain, I've heard it said, um, or balancing them. Um, your nadis that intertwine through the shushumna channel, through the center of the body, you're kind of balancing and channeling those. Uh, you're a little more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> versed in that than I am. Well, I think sometimes people ask what nadis 
is in the body. Mm-hmm. And I, this is the analogy that I, that works for me that I've, I've used over the years is that, you know, in an old building, you see um, conduit used to run electricity. Mm-hmm. And you can think of the nadis as the conduit in the body to which the energy flows back and forth. And at times there may be a block in the conduit and we need to open up that blockage so that the energy can begin to flow through the body. Nice. I like that. That's kind of a cool analogy. I've always just thought of it as like a, I guess it would still be a conduit, but just that interchanging, twisting through the center of the body. Mm-hmm. Like the left and the right side, the male and the female, the yeah. kind yeah, of the yang. Yeah, serpentining and intertwining with one another. So I like that. Um, I have done different practices of alternate nostril breathing in different settings. Um, so uh, I did a presentation on it. And actually, we practiced it before um, exams. And we did some stuff uh, when I was in school in my undergrad, uh, where we practiced it to get over some nervousness before some public speaking and a couple of different things that it was really interesting and fun to play with as far as balancing things out and feeling a little more calm, feeling a little more secure. I've used it, uh, definitely used it with clients and with friends, and I use it myself as far as when I feel like I need a little balancing and when I need a little, when I'm feeling frazzled. It's a really nice way to... I use alternate astral breath to bring down my anxiety quite a bit. Wonderful. And... Finally, just breath and mindfulness in general. So we talk about mindfulness a lot on this podcast. I think it's a big part of who we are and what we're doing because we want to be present in the moment. We want to grow. Um, And sometimes that means acknowledging things and being messy and kind of being all over the place and scattered. I'm trying to bring that in. So breath really helps us to rein in that sense of craziness or anxiety or frustration or anything that we're feeling outside of the norm, breath can be used to kind of pull it back in. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's 10 seconds to our center to reground ourselves. Right. So it is the thing that is the most handy tool. We have it in every situation possible. It's always there. So no matter where we find ourselves and what situation we find ourselves in, Mm -hmm. if we have that mindfulness and that awareness, the breath is there. I use the breath with my son and with other kids in, um, well, right now he's transitioning to first grade. So I see a lot of first graders use breath with a lot of first graders. Um, I use it with my dad who is, uh, has COPD and asthma and some other things that just he needs some regulation from time to time. Um, just myself, I constantly use it for regulation. <laughs> Currently, <laughs> my life is crazy and stressful and I find that uh, different breath techniques, I use it all the time. And it's something that I, it's one of the first things that I evaluate with my clients. And it's one of the first things that I bring up to them. And it's probably the one thing when it comes to yoga therapy and them coming to me 
that surprises them. I think they expect physical movement. I think they expect to talk about their condition or their ailment or their, um, even their emotions. I don't think that they come in and expect to talk about their breath and how they're breathing. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, breath is the greatest anchor for me. And it also teaches me about trust. I mean, we trust that the next breath is always going to be there. And so if I can check in and, and feel that anchor and to have that sense of trust in my um, intuition, in my sense of being, it's just a great teacher for me to do an emotional, you know, assessment. There's so many things. Okay. And it's it's the cheapest, easiest. <laughs> it definitely tool, is. It's the know? lowest <laughs> hanging fruit, right? We yes. talk about it a lot, a lot. You go for the lowest hanging fruit, but it really is something that, um, and it's something that even when I think back to way, 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 way back when I first started a yoga practice, you learn how to breathe mm-hmm. right at the beginning. And it's something that so subtle. Well, breath is movement and breath initiates movement. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So our take home opinion today for pranayama and uh, prana. Just breathe. Take the time every day to slow down and breathe. Use your breath in stressful situations So the first purpose of pranayama is to explore your own breath. Notice dysfunctional patterns, maybe some of the things that we've talked about. Make corrections if necessary. uh, And then use your breath to still control your power, your life force, and your energy. Um, And as we close, I want to take a moment to briefly mention the pranavayus. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. are the winds of the body. And I'm sure we'll get into those deeper in further ap- episodes. But I wanted to make an honorable mention of the pranavayu. Yeah, here. because the pranavayu, you know, the breath sends through an energetic force of wind throughout the body, which um, there are five winds. Um, and they involve the awareness of how um, intimately the breath is involved in all the functions of our body. All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Where the Lotus Grows. We hope you enjoy it, and we hope that you come back and listen to us next week. We want to make sure that you visit our websites for resources uh, for all of the things that we talked about today. We quoted Doug Keller and a couple of other uh, quotes will be on there. Um, Make sure that you visit our social media where the Lotus grows on almost all platforms, except for Twitter where the Lotus G1, you can find us there. Uh, Additionally, exciting extra content opportunities might be coming soon. Keep an uh, ear open for those. We look forward to seeing you and talking to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Where the Lotus Grows. Join us in further conversations. We believe that you bring valuable knowledge to this community. You can find us at wherethelotusgrows.com, Where the Lotus Grows on Instagram and Facebook, or Twitter, Where the Lotus G1, because we were not on top of that one.
Remember that though we are professionals in our field, the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended to treat or diagnose. Please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for a full evaluation. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform.